it's happening on our new stuff okay um hey little buddies hey buddies if anybody saw um our instagram a couple weeks ago i was gonna say recently (laughs) but um a couple weeks ago we were so excited about getting new microphones, a whole new setup, a new system that um, Kelly is editing on. And so this is our maiden voyage of using those things. It's so exciting. Well, yeah, we're we pretty feel really official. <laughs> we also sound so much better to ourselves right now as we're recording. So we really hope that that comes through for y'all as you're listening to this episode. So, And also we're still figuring out how yeah. to do everything. So true. But um, who are we? You're my best friend, Jen. I was like, I'm Kelly. You're my best friend, Jen. And your favorite Laffy Taffy is banana, which is gross. (laughs) How dare you talk about (laughs) banana Laffy Taffy that way? It's actually the only Laffy Taffy I like. Which is even crazier. But she does love a nerd's rope, y'all. Oh, I love nerd's rope. So good. So good. Um, This is my best friend, Kelly. And she is allergic to shellfish. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yes, she is. Yep. No crabbies, no lobsters, no shrimpies for you. Nope. That's how I found out from eating shrimp at Disney World. <gasps> you had an allergic reaction at Disney World? Mm-hmm. Did Mickey Mouse give you a dose of epinephrine? 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 epinephrine. <laughs> I don't need an EpiPen. I just get really barfy. Did you barf on Mickey Mouse? No. Oh, nothing happened to Mickey Not, Mouse? Nothing happened to Mickey, okay. no. How were you? Did it ruin your trip? No. It was fine the next day. Just get really sick feeling. It's, I pr- probably am not even allergic to it anymore, honestly. But this story is anticlimactic. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Bana- <laughs> banana laffy taffy and shrimp. Gross. <laughs> what a combo. Um, we are continuing our journey on a relationship series. Uh, the evolution of relationships. And Kelly has been so brave and so vulnerable. <laughs> Well, we've been working on setting up these microphones for like four hours. We made some trips to Best Buy. It's a whole thing. So sorry if we're not completely on point. Yes. But Kelly has been so vulnerable in sharing her experiences in dating. Um, So we have just been so excited about that. But we're going to continue this and really jump into, you know, what happens as you continue dating the same person and maybe you move into long-term relationship territory, which can mean lots of things. It can be marriage can just mean joint partnership it can mean long-term commitment yep so to use the definitions that we used before we're gonna say that we're moving from exclusivity into relationship meaning you're exclusive well you don't have to be exclusive depending on the dynamics of your relationship but um committed and with planning for the future kind of stuff so really more of a merging of lives um so that might mean things like sharing homes or money or life decisions. So we're going to kind of touch on all those different things and talk about how those things can be impacted. Oh boy, we're spinning the microphone. (laughs) Got to figure out my situation here. All right. So the first thing that uh, we kind of brainstormed is like, how is it different than to date? How is it different than dating? Oh my God, I'm trying to read this note and I'm like, what is that say? How is long-term relationships different than dating or being exclusive, which is what I just said, basically. So do you have anything to add to that? Um, No, I think it is, you described this already in in some ways, but um, I think it really is the joining of two lives um, or potentially more, again, depending on relationship dynamic um, and making a long-term commitment for that being the choice that you're both making. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I think one of the most like typical 
or stereotypical things that people think about having conflict with in their relationships is dealing with in-laws or like the family members of their partner. Yep. And um, do you have any thoughts about that? Um, I think that that is because there is a cultural expectation, um, or at least I would say like here in the U.S., that we talk about our in-laws or like our mother-in-law as if they're like that that's kind of a dirty word. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there's this expectation of like, oh, you're not going to like your in-laws. Your in-laws are going to be the worst and that kind of thing, which is not always the case Mm -hmm. and hopefully is not the case for many people. But that is something to have to manage of now I there are these people that come with the partner that I am with. Right. (laughs) And I have to manage that and also help my partner manage their dynamic with them and that doesn't just mean parents it can mean siblings um extended family yeah extended family members and it also means traditions Mm because a lot of times the first foray into joining your life with um your partner's family is something around the holidays right and a lot of times for people the choice is the first argument i think about that is whose parents house do we go to for insert holiday Mm, here mm -hmm. yeah i think that um it also some things that i have felt lucky about i guess in past relationships around that kind of thing is that my parents live in the same town that we live in and then the people that i've had relationships with like most of their extended family also live in the same place so there were busy days but we didn't have to choose to go to one and not the other because Mm -hmm. we could just go to like all Both. four places at yeah. once, yeah. And then, of course, another part of that is, like, if members in that family are divorced. And so you have going to mom's house, dad's house, whoever's house, and um, navigating all over town. But I would just like to say if anyone wants to date me, you have to really like the Muppets to participate <laughs> in any of our um, Christmas holiday traditions. And, and fried chicken. Kentucky fried chicken, yeah. That's right. Well, and I, another piece of that, and this sometimes comes a little bit later, I think for a lot of people, it tends to come with children once you start having children. But how do you then as a couple create new traditions around that? And then what are the boundaries that usually have to be set um, with your family? Mm-hmm. My husband and I used to always travel for Christmas. And there's a lot of obligation involved with traveling for the holidays and making sure my family was satisfied and his family was satisfied and those kinds of things. And within the past couple of years, we have really made the decision that we don't travel for Christmas. Um, so we have created our own traditions and we invite people into those and say, you're always welcome here, but this is the tradition. And some years that works out perfectly fine and everyone is very happy. And some years that creates a little bit of turmoil and some stress because usually the holidays come with turmoil and stress in some capacity. And so that has been something that we've had to navigate together. And one of those things that being in a relationship really long term is like, okay, the priority is each other. The priority is the family that that we've created. And so that's another, I think, relationship evolution or transition of standing up for your relationship and setting boundaries for your relationship and what that looks like. Yeah. I was just thinking to myself that it's interesting how the first topic that we're talking about for long-term relationships is not even really necessarily part of the relationship that you are in. It's like (laughs) your relationships with other people. And that's a really hard thing that, you know, if you and I were in a relationship and I didn't get along with Travis, then like, that I mean, we are in a relationship, friendships, <laughs> but um, 
if we if I didn't get along with Travis, then that would really change the dynamics of our relationship and it would change the or affect the d- dynamics of you and Travis's relationship if we're trying to all three try to plan things and all that kind of stuff. So it's just, it's like, man, that's a shame that you and I don't have to have a fight for it to be impacting something else. Yeah, which this reminds me of those things about relationships that we might not consider. Like when you're looking at dating profiles and going on first dates with people, it would be very premature to think about potential in-laws. But it is one of those things that we don't really consider until we have to deal with it. And then we're like, damn, I did not realize that you always want to spend Thanksgiving with your family because you have to put up your Christmas tree and make the stuffing. And you're like, I didn't know about any of this. Right. So I always call that the behind the scenes stuff of like, that's actually happening, but it's not impacting the daily right relationship dynamic so we don't think about it until we kind of come across it it's also interesting there's that phrase like if when you marry someone you marry their family yes you do and that (laughs) makes me think of that too i mean it's not untrue that relationships with in-laws and stuff can destroy a relationship that you have with a partner yeah and that's also just something that's really sad but it is a thing yeah well and just to be a little bit candid about my own kind of personal experience and do some self-disclosure. I mean, that is a large, like I don't have a relationship with my family of origin and I'm so lucky to have such a strong relationship in my marriage and a very healthy relationship and also have very rewarding relationships with other people in my family and with my friend group to help with that. Do you think that, well, let me phrase it this way. Mm -hmm. If you were going to talk to clients or yourself about how you navigate that kind of stuff like whose responsibility is it if there is a conflict with an so like if you and I were in a relationship and you had a conflict with my parents is it my job to talk to my parents is it your job to talk to my parents like whose responsibility to help set those boundaries is it both of our like what do you think about that I don't know the answer, but we get to figure it out together. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times it can be most helpful for the person already related to that family member. Mm-hmm. So if it was your parents for you to take lead on that, because that's an established relationship that, you know, you're going to be able to navigate in a very different way than I would. And that way it's also you are trying to help reinforce that relationship and set some boundaries and things instead of me being out here like, well, I'll go talk to your parents and try to fix it. Um, But in, in some instances that may actually be what's helpful, or maybe we both sit down together with your parents, but whatever happens needs to be determined. I think very intentionally by the partnership. Yeah. I think that that's something that is probably very hard and why it's so important for people to know themselves because like, if, so if I'm trying to help us navigate stuff with my parents, I have to be aware of what my own stuff with my parents is mm-hmm. to know like what is going to be activated. So if I feel very protective of my parents and protective of you, but like they're my parents, and if I feel powerless over that or something, then like that's really going to change how we address that situation versus if I'm like not aware of those things Um I don't know where I'm going with that, but just knowing your own stuff. Yeah. Well, and I think, again, there is a shift in this is how my family dynamic has been for so long, but now we're inviting a new person, kind of an outsider into that. Mm -hmm. And so the dynamic has to change. And so what your boundaries looked like with your parents previously, they probably need to look a little bit different. I'm not saying rigid or completely, you know, 180 than they have, but there does need to be a change. and 
just as our romantic relationship is evolving, so does the relationships that that impact it around it. So right, like I was just I mean, this is not necessarily long term relationship stuff, but I I usually go to my parents' house every weekend for dinner, and I just told them today, like I'm trying to get out in the world and be dating and doing stuff like that, so I'm not going to come over for dinner on Saturdays for a little while, mm-hmm. and luckily they were like yeah fine whatever you know no big deal but that is an example of how those boundaries can change as relationships or individuals change so yeah and a really good example of setting a boundary with using a good level of transparency like here's what's going on with me and so i need to make an adjustment here Mm -hmm. yeah um is there anything else with the in i mean i'm sure we could talk for hours and hours about in-law kind of stuff or uh, would you consider like other friendships or coworkers or what like all of that being under the in-law umbrella to some extent? Uh, I feel like it's like a, a branch off of it, yeah. <laughs> um, especially depending on what your dynamics are like with that. Um, so for Kelly and I, we we spend a lot of holidays together in some capacity, and we vacation together with our families. Um, so that's something that's like if Kelly was dating a guy who none of us. You know, who we were having difficulty getting along you with. You mean and again? She, <laughs> I'm just kidding. And she's like, I want to bring him on, you know, on the family trip. You know, that's going to impact everybody in some way. And so mm-hmm. I think those are things to consider. Like, what is the dynamic with your relationships? And when you said earlier, you know, when, you know, you're married, they're family. It's like, well, if that's how your friend group is, like, I mean, we're a package deal when yeah. you start dating your next partner. Like, <laughs> Which makes me, this is a little bit of an offshoot, but I feel like it still goes in this, is like, what do you do if you dislike your friend's new or consistent partner? Yeah. Like, because I, re- I asked my friends after I ended my last relationship, like, when I have my next one, if you guys don't like that person or if you see something that seems like a red flag or whatever, like, I want to know that because... Yeah. You are my people and you see things that I may not see and all that. So, like, what do you do in that situation? Well, and I think that's the other piece of boundaries is, like, I don't have to like the person that you're dating. Like, if I'm like, oh, they're really into this and I don't like, like, if that's a preference thing, that does not matter. I don't have to date him. I don't fucking care. But if there are red flags and I'm like... Ooh, I don't like the way I'm hearing him talk to my friend or I don't like, especially if there are things that you've observed firsthand versus, you know, you seeking support and me learning about something that's very different. Cause I think I would feel very safe in our relationship coming to you and saying, this is very concerning to me. And I want to point like, can I give you some support? Right. What needs to happen versus me being like, nah, I mean, like, I don't, I don't love him, but like, I mean, he's fine. Mm-hmm. She likes him. Seems all right. Yeah. Which is why I explicitly asked for that because I think that, I mean, I don't know if if I did not ask for that, if you would feel as comfortable or safe to do that. But knowing that I want that feedback, it makes mm-hmm. me think of like when there's infidelity and people being like, oh, should I tell this person if I know this thing? And some people want to know and some people don't want to know. And so putting it out there before there's any problems about like, if you ever have any concerns, I would like to know that. Yeah. So. Which I always tell people in that position when they're like, I don't know what to do. And I've had this in all my work with people in the substance using population. Sometimes parents have asked me that, like, I found that out that my kid is like using substances and I caught them with their best friend. Do I call the parents of the mm-hmm. of the kid? And I always just say, like, there's no real right answer for that unless it's been explicitly stated by the other person. 
So I think maybe erring on what would you want someone to do for you and allowing that to kind of guide you because that's the only kind of information you can go on. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, like I don't have to, I don't have to be in love with the person that you're dating. I would love it if I, <laughs> not if I was, <laughs> um, but I've also really liked all the people that you've dated. Maybe not the entire time that you've dated them, sure, yeah. um, but I have liked them for the most part. And yeah. I would just hope that, they would be very open to your friendships and really supportive of the place that they hold in your life. Yeah. And I think that that's so a flip side of that is like something that I am considerate of or thinking about is how intimidating it could be to go into a friend group, like, because we're so tight to, so like to be the new person in our group, Mm -hmm. even though our group is pretty small, I think, um, that might be pretty, pretty intimidating. And it's something that I also think about, like, as I date other people is like, well, what are their friends like? And, you know, what kind of activities do they like to do? And is that something that I want to spend my time doing? And not only spend my time doing, but like some of the time that I'm usually spend with you or my, our group of friends will now be spent away from you. Oh, well, that makes me feel really what? sad. What? I, did, I did not approve this. <laughs> uh, like we need to talk about that later, but um, okay. <laughs> I know I'm about to cry. Um well, and that's why ideally we'd all get along perfectly. <laughs> We're just going to mesh the lives together and it's fine. Yeah, but it is something to think about of like, how does that person spend their time before meeting me or whatever? And like, is that something that I want to spend our time, which is can be a good segue into how do you manage spending time together and spending time yes. apart? So something that I tell clients a lot is like, there's this romanticized idea of you're my other half. And I think we said this maybe on the other podcast too, but it's not half and half as a whole. It's one and one is two. And so how do you maintain your individuality while also building interdependence and connection with a new partner? Yeah. So what do you think about that? Um, I remember when this came up in a previous episode, we were talking about, we talked about the idea of interdependence, right? And secure attachment that I get to go do my own thing and you do yours and we come back to a safe base and how important it is for that. Um And so I think it's kind of figuring that out. Like, I love to do things with you and for Travis to be there. Mm -hmm. I also know that that's not always the case. You don't always want to be the third wheel or like what else is going on, right? Who else are we hanging out with? Um, And so I think trying to figure that out of, you know, I'll hang out with you on if – I know that if Travis is already working and I don't have plans, that's a great time for me to capitalize on hanging out with friends because it's it's not throwing off anything and I don't have to do extra planning with my spouse. Um, so I think some of that is is part of it. But it's also you want to have separate interests from the person that you're dating. And you do want to have separate interactions, even if you share a friend group, because that's another piece of like, we want to let people into the bubble that we create with our person, but we don't want to keep the bubble just the two of us. Right. And that if we're going to go do something, the, bu- the whole bubble comes as well. Like that needs to, <laughs> we need to be coexisting a little bit with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think is also like in the beginning. So that's a difference between the earlier stages of dating and exclusivity versus long-term relationship is like when you're first getting to know somebody, it's pretty comp like you'll hear friends complain about like, I never see my friend anymore because they're like spending all their time with this new guy or whatever. And like in the beginning of relationships, when you're getting to know a person, it's very exciting and you want to spend a lot of time with them and all that. But like, that's first of all, not sustainable usually. Yeah. And um, then what, like if you totally ditch all of your people, 
to spend time with this new person. Then when you realize you need a friend, you may not have as much access to them anymore. And Mm -hmm. so that's something to consider, too, is like making sure that even if you're really excited to see that person every day, maybe still make time to see your friends, too. So Mm -hmm. you're not overdoing it with this one person and losing contact with other people. Yeah. Or just other hobbies that you enjoy and things like that. Like don't give up all these pieces of yourself um, or things that you enjoy doing because you become so focused on, on a relationship. Cause we want the relationship to be another thing that adds to your life. Um, we don't want it to take the place of a bunch of things. Right. So that kind of leads into the next piece of um, what we think about being friends with exes. What do you think about being friends with exes? I have different thoughts. Um, I think this is the answer to every question is like, it depends. Um, I'm not actually friends with any of my ex from the like serious relationships that I had. Um, I'm not, I don't hate them, but I'm not friends with them. Mm -hmm. I don't spend time with them still. I think that there is the potential that it would be very uncomfortable when you're dating somebody to know that they are also very close with their ex. Yeah. Which I think a lot of times for your new partner or or whatever, it's the idea of here's someone that you've been very intimate with and not just physically or maybe not physically at all. And then spending time with them still, it's like, oh, there's something about that that feels a little bit threatening or mm-hmm. it feels intimidating or feels unsafe. Um, I've never been friends with my exes. Granted, there's not a lot of exes. Um, so I'm like, yeah, I don't really know. I think that's possible. I would never say like, no, that should not be a thing. I think that's totally a thing. Um, I think we see that happen a lot in young adults, right? When you're kind of navigating date, like especially during college, like you're navigating dating, you might date some people in your friend group and that kind of thing. Um, especially because during that time in our lives, I think a lot of our friend experiences are very group oriented, but I don't really know what that looks like outside of co-parenting or something like that. Mm -hmm. And in kind of older aged people in long-term relationships. I don't know. I haven't seen a lot of application of it. Well, I also think it depends on what we consider an ex, right? Like is Mm -hmm. an ex a person that we went on some dates with, or is an ex a only mean persons that we also had long-term relationships with? Cause I think that that changes the dynamics as well. Um, But yeah, I think that it just, I think that, man, I'm like, what, how would I feel about that? And I, it depends on the person and what, like, yeah. how long it's been since they were an ex. Like, did y'all break up last week or have you been broken up for five years and you're mm-hmm. friends now? Um, what does that friendship actually look like? So does that mean that you speak whenever you see each other? Or does that mean that you call each other and go to dinner and mm-hmm. spend time with each other's families like the way that we do? Or like, what does that mean? Yeah, like how much texting? How mm-hmm. much? What is the access? Which also, yeah. I just had another thought of like, in hetero couples, having friendships with people of the opposite sex. And mm-hmm. like, so that's another thing that we can talk about in a second. But um I also think it just goes with boundaries and communication, right? So like being able to say, you know, because here's the thing that I think is really hard about it is women get all of, and not only women, but that's my perspective of this idea of like, she's crazy or she has too many feelings or she's just being jealous or whatever. And it's like, well, maybe I am jealous, but that doesn't mean that I'm crazy or that what you're doing is like totally fine. Like people are allowed to be jealous, right? (laughs) It's like what if you're causing harm to somebody because you're jealous, that's different. But 
So I think that there's a lot of pressure for women to not express that they're upset if a person is friends with their ex because they don't want to seem crazy when it's like it's not unreasonable to not want your partner to spend time with someone that they used to be in love with. Yeah. Or might still have love for. Yeah. Well, and you said it about it comes down to communication and boundaries because that's a decision that needs to be made between both parties of, hey, let me go ahead and let you know how this is resonating for me, what's bubbling up about you spending time with this other person. And here's an opportunity for us to talk about how do we enhance the safety within the relationships that I feel comfortable with you spending time. And that's probably an area for compromise of I don't feel good with you spending the night at their house. Right. But I'm totally fine with you going to dinner, right? We can set some parameters about that because some things that you might engage in with a friend who's who's an ex, like, might feel inappropriate to your partner. Um, but your partner doesn't get to dictate that stuff of you don't get to be friends with right. this person. Like, right. I would I would hope that's not how the conversation But goes. you also don't get to say that I can't be upset about it. That, yes. Agreed. So, yeah. And so, so that makes me think about, like, the question of friends with Um, people of the opposite sex and hetero couples. I have a really good friend who's a guy. And um, when he started dating the person who is his now wife and mother of his kids, it was important to me to get to know her, right? Like I wanted her to be comfortable with my relationship with him because I wasn't going to change my friendship with him. But I wanted her to know that like, this is truly just a friendship. And we have like, we spend time with each other's families and all that kind of stuff. So we have a close relationship, but I it was important to me that she also became my friend and was not just Mm -hmm. his partner. Yeah. And so I think that's another way that you can deal with that of like, well, if we're all important to each other or whatever, Mm -hmm. like let's all hang out together and that kind of thing. Which I mean, that's almost an expectation that I have of my friends of like, I, I come with a Travis Mm -hmm. and you don't have to be Travis's best friend, but I would like there to be some effort of, that he does not just exist because I'm I'm in the friendship. Right, it's not just Jen's husband, it's yeah. Travis. Yeah, he gets to be his own person. But um, speaking of, Travis's best friend is a woman and is actually, I mean, a friend of mine as well. And we had all been friends together for a really long time. And then their friendship just really started um, kind of taking off and they had found a lot of connection within each other. And I literally don't care anything about that. I mean, I love it that they both have each other, but none of that bothers me. But I know that she has had a lot of feedback that she has experienced from people being like, is that appropriate for you to be best friends with a married man? Mm. Like something must be wrong in the marriage for you to be friends with him. And I'm like, wow, (laughs) wow. You guys think that I really suck or that Travis would just stay with me if he was completely, I don't know unhappy i don't even know but i'm like we are making a lot of assumptions and can't people just be friends which i guess is the whole age-old question can men and women just be friends yes that whole thing it just makes me giggle because i'm like if they only knew like how solid you guys are but anyway (laughs) that's just silly um okay let's move on to some other things so let's talk about the idea of if your relationship escalates to the point of wanting to live together Um, I think that's one of the hardest relationship transitions. When Travis and I moved in together, I never felt more homicidal. And I was very (laughs) surprised by it. I was like, I didn't know I had a preference on how to load a dishwasher. Mm -hmm. And that when he didn't do it right over and over again, I would want to smother him. 
Y'all, he's alive. He's fine. The dishwasher is loaded the way that I prefer. I'm like, do we need to make a mandated report here? What's happening? No, he's totally fine. But that's a really hard transition from now our lives are, are together in a way where we're sharing our daily routines of being a human and how we exist in the world. And we learn a lot about our partners like during that time. And it's very interesting and exciting, but I think that there can be some um, unexpected challenges with that. Yeah. Just the idea of going from having more privacy to having less privacy, I think Mm -hmm. is one, Um, you know, there's like my last relationship, we, lived in my house together. I mean, it was our house at the time, but anyway. Um, and trying to create, an, so my house is a little small, and to, trying to create physical space that allowed both of us to have like a place that we could go if we needed to get away or if we needed to, um, you know, just have alone time or whatever and trying to even just create physical, like the actual space for a person in a house let alone how the rest of it impacts a relationship, like being together all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so another piece of that is like sharing responsibilities around Mm -hmm. like who does what yard work or, you know, housework or who's in charge of making dinner and, you know, all those kinds of things. And so ultimately, again, it just comes down to communication, but. Mm -hmm. Well, and also looking at the values that each person holds and the values of the relationship. Mm. To me, my number one value in my relationship, not really just with my husband, with most people, is equality. So I really want there to be a lot of shared responsibility. And that's not, I did the dishes last night, so you have to do them tonight. But just like that we're both putting in what feels like the same amount of effort. Like I don't mind always doing the laundry if I never have to mow the grass. So, right, like – Um, So it is figuring out like what kind of works best for both people and keeps like the functioning of the relationship going really well. Um, And, you know, how do you both kind of perform best as humans, but also as partners? Do you think as a person who works with couples a lot that the following statement is true that um, most of the time each person, each individual thinks that they are doing more than the other person? Yes. So what do you how do you help people? assess if that's accurate or not. Cause I mean, they can't both be doing more. Yeah. So how do you do that in session? Well, I will say there's some semblance of that in most relationships because sometimes i see couples who really excel in the piece of responsibility equality, like chores at home, all that household stuff, totally fine. But when it comes to vulnerability, sharing of emotions, um, communicating your needs, that can be then the area where there's some inequality um, or where people are like, I really feel like I'm communicating well. And then the other partner is like, I don't think you tell me anything. I have no idea what you're thinking. Um, So sometimes it can be something that, that might be, I don't want to say an easier fix, but that just feels a little bit more tangible because it's more task driven versus something that's more emotion based. And I always just try to kind of assess a little bit of, okay, like what kind of does that look like? Um, and and how do we both kind of feel about that without getting so in the content about it? Because it's unlikely that they will agree. And mm-hmm. I, it's not really all that important if they agree. Um, but I like to figure out, you know, a little bit of like, what is that dynamic? And a lot of times 
Like people will talk about how it can be really important to see a couple or a family disagree and argue during a session Mm -hmm. because it gives you a lot of intel. Because I'm like, well, if this is how you're arguing in front of me, then it's either like this or worse outside of the therapeutic space. Um, So that can give you some more intel as well. But I talk to clients about the show up place. Like how are we both showing up? And sometimes when I'm not my best, that means you have to come in and fill Right. When I can only do 30%, that means you have to do 70 and that's okay. As long as that means when you can do 30%, I can do 70. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we don't want to start over functioning, um, or under functioning and we don't want to get caught in some of those traps. What do you think you see the most with couples? Like what the issues are that you see the most common things? Um, I'm guessing communication is probably like the root of the problem, but like what do most people come in? Uh, wanting to talk about. Yes. Well, I think you're 100% right about the communication piece. A lot of times it's needs aren't being met in some way. And so a lot of times one partner is feeling really at a disservice as opposed to their other partner. So it might be one thing to be like, wow, I kind of knew that like your needs weren't being met, but like I didn't realize that like your needs are really not being met in this relationship. Um, So sometimes it's that because I work with so many people who, with a history of trauma, again, what what therapist doesn't, including yourself, um, a lot of times it's how are the wounds of past traumas coming up and impacting this relationship? Because a lot of times our partners can trigger us without at all meaning to. Yeah. And we might not even be able to recognize that that's what's happening in our nervous system. So sometimes it's just how can we have secure attachment, meaningful connection with our partner and a safe relationship that's loving and caring and kind while also letting the other person be a human? Yeah. Um, so let's talk about money. Yeah. I think that that's probably one of the biggest things that can Mm -hmm. end a relationship. Yes. Yeah. Which I have. Yeah. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh gosh, I have so many anecdotes about the way money shows up and is impactful. Not just in like my professional, like, like what I've seen with patients, but just. (laughs) Right. So there's a couple different things. One is like how money represents the power dynamic in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Like if I make more money than you make, what does that mean for us? How people choose to spend their money, which is usually based on their value systems. Mm -hmm. Um, How do we divide costs for Mm -hmm. living places? Um, And I mean, this is a very common thing, I guess, is like if there's a, in a family dynamic, if there's one parent who stays at home and one parent who goes to work, the parent who stays at home may not be bringing in money, but they are working. Mm-hmm. And so like, what does that mean? So the, there's all sorts of way that ways that money can show up. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and I think also part of that question, and this is a little bit before you get, I think really into long-term relationship is when do you disclose mm-hmm. and have the conversation with a partner about how much money you make or how much debt you have mm-hmm. or, right. That's a pretty serious conversation. You're really, I feel like it's a pretty vulnerable one as well. So there's that. Then there is like, yeah, do we mind if we are in a a hetero relationship and the female is making more money than the male? How Mm -hmm. does that come up? How can that impact the relationship? Mm -hmm. Do we put our finances together? Do we say your debt is my debt? That's what the IRS thinks. So you probably should say that. Um, Do we also say the money I like we have a joint bank account. Is that what you want to do? Like there's so many things to consider with the money piece and 
a lot of times I think people find out those things through trial and error. So it can be quite a point of contention. See, so I come from the, if I'm dating a person before a long-term relationship, I feel very comfortable disclosing how much money I make Mm -hmm. for a couple different reasons. One, because I'm proud of myself for how much money that I make. And I don't think that there should be any shame or negativity associated with being able to support myself. And that's right. um, I also think that talking about it, like money should not be a taboo topic. We all Mm. need it. We all have to have some somehow to stay alive in the culture that we live in. And so just the idea of normalizing talking about money is another reason why I have -hmm. those conversations. Um, But I think that, gosh, for me, historically, I think that I've probably made more money than the person that I've been with, Mm -hmm. especially when I started my own business. That really shifted things because not only did I make more money going into private practice than I did working in an agency job, but I also had a lot more time and like other resources. So, you know, Mm -hmm. that impacted things too. But I feel comfortable talking about money the way that I have always done things or not always in the relationship in which I shared financial responsibility with a person. um, We split most of the bills of living in the house. So like rent, electric, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then, um, Like, if I went to the grocery store, I bought the groceries. If they went to the grocery store, they bought the groceries. But then we would try to make sure that we were doing that equally. And so it wasn't just like, well, they only go once a week and I go three times a week. But that's a lot of groceries. But my point being that we try to keep that equal. But we never shared accounts. We also weren't married. And so Mm -hmm. that was another piece of it. But Yeah. Travis and I have never shared bank accounts. And let me (laughs) – so we started living together – we lived together for five or six years before we got married. Um, and so then whenever we were like, wow, we should probably just put our money together. I got so fear. I'm still afraid of this that I'm like, then I'm going to think we have so much money <laughs> and that will be a lie. <laughs> and I think something bad could happen. Mm-hmm. So we've always like, um, we've never shared our money, but at this, well, we've never put our money into the same account. Whatever I earn is just as much my husband's as it is mine. That's really how I think about it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I make a substantial amount more than my husband does. Um, and I am happy that I get to pay most of the bills and do the, like, I'm happy that I get to do that, especially because my husband has really struggled finding what has been his calling and what is the best fit for him as a profession. And so now he's in a job that really has improved his quality of life, but it was a pay cut for him, but how he gets paid and not, hating his life mm-hmm. is very much worth mm-hmm. that. So, um, yeah, I haven't, I don't, I haven't really had a lot of experience having to share information about my finances with a partner and we're talk about debt or anything like that. So, um, but that can be hard when people have differences in values about that. Like if I'm someone who's like, I don't believe in debt. I have tried so hard in my adult life to not accrue debt. And then I get into a relationship with someone who has a considerable amount of debt. And it's like, oh, yeah. okay, how do we tackle that together? Am I willing to take that on with you? And well, I also think that um, from a feminist perspective, like there, I something that will always be true for me is that I will never not have my own money or access to my own money. Because yeah. so- Not that if I had a relationship where I was sharing finances that they wouldn't also be able to access that money for things, but I will always have control over my own money. Mm -hmm. Um, That feels a lot safer to me and 
fighting against the patriarchal systems that our country was built upon. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But I also think for me, like having transparency is really important. Um, But I also haven't really been in a situation where that level, like I've never, not that being married is the only way that you can have that, but Mm -hmm. the legality of. Oh yeah. What's rightfully yours versus. Yeah. I have several clients who are going through divorces right now. And so all of that is kind of really part of the topics that I'm talking about, particularly for the, like most of them are women and it's just South Carolina makes it fucking impossible to get divorced first of all. And then Mm -hmm. just, it's a, yeah, you should always have your own money. (laughs) Some of that, not that it has to be hidden. Right. Mm -hmm. But that like, you know what you're working with and that, you know what your partner's working with too. Yeah. That's my philosophy. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be that way for everyone. I'm yeah. aware of that. But. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to find what works best. Um, I mean, I know lots of people who in their partnership, they really keep to a strict budget. And when one person wants to spend money outside of that budget, there has to be a discussion. That doesn't mean that there's, I wouldn't say permission, but there's a discussion. Um, Travis and I are very much of the mindset of like, we don't have a problem paying any of our bills. So if then you want to go buy something just because you want to buy it, the other person doesn't really get to have an opinion about it. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, you earn that money. We have it. It's not earmarked for something else. I don't fucking care. Right. Um, and that's something that's very important to both of us because we don't want to feel restrictive with our money and, and different things like that. But if we are making a big purchase, y'all, we've been trying to buy a new vacuum. <laughs> and we are both... If anyone out there follows me on Facebook, you know, I put some posts out there like, y'all, what's the vacuum I should buy? There's all the Dyson, obviously. I mean, you say that, but I'm getting some other feedback. But um, they're wrong. (laughs) But that was something where we were like, we both really want to agree on the vacuum. Um, Adult probs. I know, right? (laughs) We're such adults. What's the best vacuum? Um, But yeah, but he also, we have a Roomba and he hates it. And I'm like, I really like the convenience of it. It's not a perfect vacuum by any means. It's always on a cliff. Why is it on a cliff? There are no cliffs in my home. (laughs) You would think I live at the Grand Canyon with how much this bitch is on a cliff. But um, anyway, (laughs) that we're completely off topic now at this point. But um, so finances, but what about life life decisions, other life decisions, which would be what? So moving, Mm -hmm. um, if you wanted to change jobs. If a person wanted to go back to school, Mm -hmm. um, if you want to have kids, yeah, that could be its own separate topic. Um, but yeah, I think those are some, would you, what are some other ones? Um, I think you named a good bit of them. Uh, Big purchase it. Like if you got to buy a car or something. That was going to be the next thing I was going to say. Um, a lot of, oh, I see this come up a lot as like some fodder for arguments for, um, for people that I know, but like buying or selling a home, mm. that can be a really hard one. That's like the biggest stressor that a person can go through. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Buying a home is rough. Um, but then we can take it even like a little bit smaller scale. Like if you wanted to make a change to your body. Mm-hmm. So. What would it be like if somebody wanted to have like a breast augmentation in their relationship or if someone wanted to be pierced or tattooed? Or even like um, dyeing your hair or cutting mm-hmm. your hair or something. Yeah. Or the way your partner presents themselves or, right, if I'm going to be like, we have to have dinner with my parents tomorrow night and you need to wear a collared shirt. Mm-hmm. Like, is that, that's not big life decisions. <laughs> now we're still thinking really small scale. But th- that piece of what are your expectations for what you want, not just out of the relationship, but out of your life mm-hmm. and how can your partner 
what's their stance on some of those things. I can't believe that we didn't put this on the list when we were brainstorming about stuff, but um, religion being, I wouldn't call that a life decision necessarily. I think that's more of like a values based thing, but um, thinking about then how that also connects with children and like how you Mm want to raise your kids. And if, if you have different religion, religious beliefs, then like who, what do you think about going to church or what do you think about discipline or like all these different things? So yeah. these are all conversations that people should, I think, really be having before they make decisions to be permanently legally tied to a person. Yeah. But we that's, know that's not how it always works. Yeah. Well, I think it's also really hard when you're talking about decisions like that in theory. And then you get to the point in the relationship where it's like, put your money where your mouth is. Mm-hmm. And, and that can be really hard then when you're trying to make it go into application right so if if we've determined that you're going to go to grad school and i and you're not going to have a job and i'm going to put you through grad school um then when it comes time to do that that might be a lot harder (laughs) than it was to just say that or plan for that Mm -hmm. um and also children what is the how do we parent in a way that feels equal or does it not? And is that also the plan that, no, we both have an understanding that I will be the primary caregiver of the children, mm-hmm. um, right? All of those things are things that need to be determined. I'm just sitting here thinking about, like, how and how much, oh, man, I'm having a flood of thoughts. Just <laughs> there are so many important things to talk about with relationships and because, like we talked about communication a couple weeks ago, like if. If people don't have good communication skills, it is really going to make shit hard for you yeah. later on. Yeah, but also <laughs> stressing me out and I'm not even in that situation. <laughs> if you view the person in a relationship with you as a partner, then it really is both of you against the world, both of you against the problem, both of you against the crazy family members, both of you, right? Like I might get nervous about having a conversation with my spouse, but I'm never afraid And I'm also like, if I don't know what's, I don't know, I'm freaking out. I'm so stressed. Like that's someone who I really believe has my best interest at heart. Mm -hmm. And so that does make me feel really safe and being like, we need to figure this out, even if it's really tough. And even if there's some disagreement and maybe arguing, like, I know that the two of us are going to come out of the other side with that, hopefully with some kind of solution. And that's actually really nice. So I'm having this thought while you were talking And being aware that I have a particular sample size. Like a lot of the people Mm. who come into therapy come because they are having problems in their relationships. But we all know statistics or have heard. Mm. I don't know what they actually are. We heard statistics that maybe aren't true. But like I'm just thinking to myself, I think that your relationship might be the exception, not the rule. Oh, God. I mean, honestly, I would bet. Yeah, I would agree with that. And like just thinking to my like that idea of like always never feeling afraid or always feeling like you guys are on a team and all that kind of stuff. Like hopefully people feel like that most of the time in their relationships. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that lots of people feel like that all the time in their relationship. Yeah. yeah. Well, and this is not something that has happened by happenstance. I mean, Travis and I have done a lot of work to get there. Yeah. um, And him engaging his own therapeutic process has been so incredibly helpful for the health of our relationship, not just for his own health. Um, But it's also because if that was not the kind of partnership I have, I would not be in it because Mm -hmm. that is really like, those are some um, non-negotiables for me, but. Yeah. So part of being in a 
quality, fulfilling, healthy relationship is really being clear about what your own individual values and boundaries Mm -hmm. are. Because I think that that's another thing that gets in the way is that a lot of people accept things from people that they really don't want to. Oh, yeah. With the hopes that they will be able to facilitate some kind of change on that and to avoid being alone. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, you know, I don't like it that you don't want to change diapers whenever we have children, but maybe when the baby actually gets here, you'll be willing to do it because you're going to love the baby so much. And then like, oh gosh, you know, when people tell you stuff, believe them. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Well, and the other thing is like, Travis and I don't argue about these big scale things because we both really know who the other person is as a person. And we both do want the same things out of our relationship, but we are uh, gold star bickerers. Like we really are of like, I mean, we push each other's buttons and, but it all actually kind of is in good fun. Um, And we both like to really diffuse things with humor because we're both just like, nothing is really that very few things are really that serious. And, um, oh God, I'm just thinking about the other night we were bickering about something and I was like, he's like, oh, I think I hurt. I did. I hurt your feelings. And I was like, get away from me. (laughs) Oh man. Anyway, but, um. Yeah. Long-term relationships, whether they're with a romantic partner or even a friend, it's yeah. hard to, it is hard to maintain a relationship long-term with the same person. <laughs> yeah. I think you're one of my longest relationships besides family. Oh, I love you so much. I know. I love you too. <laughs> so great. Uh, okay. We said that we weren't going to like talk specifically about marriage too much, but let me see. I think we have enough time. So I want to ask. Oh, please. A question. Yeah. Oh yeah. We have like six minutes or ten, six to ten minutes <laughs> is it six or ten we'll never know i feel like this question is there's no way to answer it but like <laughs> i'm feeling stupid even asking it how do you know when you want to marry somebody uh, oh <laughs> i oh i don't okay let's just when you know you know kelly when you know you know okay i will say but how this. do you know um, Kelly and I earlier were talking off mic about this a little bit about being someone in your 30s unmarried and then what that will mean if and when you you make the choice to marry someone. I got married when I was the summer before I turned 24. Why did anyone let me do that? Yes, it has turned out well. I have no regrets, but I'm like, that was very young to make such a big decision. I was listening to um one of the... It wasn't noticed that, but it was mm-hmm. the other podcast that they do. And they were talking about how, like, your brain's not done until you're 25. So you really shouldn't <laughs> make any major decisions, yeah. especially getting married. Yeah. Well, and I really, I mean, Travis and I had talked about marriage for a long time. We both knew that that was where it was going. But I do think, so we got engaged the first night of our last spring break. So senior year of college. And it was really on the tail of all of our friends getting engaged. And so it was happening all around us. And if you've ever ever heard of the relationship escalator, right, where you're like, all right, you start dating and then you do, right, you just, you do what the laid out plan is. Mm -hmm. And I think that was very much us. And so we were very influenced about those things around us. Um, We both have parents who are not divorced. 
Um, I come from a long line of high school sweethearts. Mm-hmm. Most people in my in my family, so my parents, my grandparents, like met each other at very young ages and had established relationships that turned into marriage. And so a lot of that I was very influenced by. And again, not in a negative way, but if I was older or something like that, I think those things would look a little bit different. And so I don't know when you know, but you get. I have a question. Yeah, please. Did you guys talk talk about getting married before he asked you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I thought so. I think that that's part of that question that I have to, and another reason, my, we were talking about this a little bit earlier too, like my f- thoughts and feelings about marriage have changed the older that I get. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know if that's something that I want because of the legality parts of it and all that kind of stuff. But um, the idea that there's that the guy gets to decide when you're going to get married because mm-hmm. he's planning some kind of surprise proposal situ like no that's not how that should work mm-hmm. it might be a surprise that that's <clears throat> the day that that happens but we should have already ha- like there should never be a time where someone proposes and a person says no oh yeah like we should already have discussed and decided that that's what we want to do yeah and so i think that that is another part of like me being really cuz i've never had the experience of being mm-hmm. proposed to um, and it just feels like yeah, that shouldn't be so surprising for people. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I really do agree with that. Yeah. There, there should be conversations about, right. We both want to get the biggest married, decision right? we're supposed to make and we're not uh, deciding it together. How does that lay a good foundation for yeah. future decisions? Cause like, what if your partner doesn't want to get married? Like you're saying, like, doesn't like the legality of it. Doesn't like, right. And it's just, I'm not really for what that means, but I do like the idea of lifetime partnership. Right. You don't want to be disappointed of like, why won't he marry me? Mm -hmm. Well, that has nothing to do with you. Um, And that's another thing that I think women don't like to say that they want to get married because they don't want to seem like they're being too like mm -hmm. or that we've been conditioned to think that um, we're just making them marry us or that the only Mm -hmm. goal is to like get married. And once you're married and you've got them. Ball and chain and oh, all that yeah. kind of stuff. It makes me want to well, barf. And I've had some of my patients, my female patients who are in the dating world right now, just say, like, I just want to get married. Like, I want to be done dating. And I'm like, I understand that of, like, gosh, dating feels, especially when you're not having good results from it or something. You're like, I'm just dating. it. Where is any of this going? But just because I am married does not mean my relationship cannot fall apart. Right. Like the ring, the wedding doesn't mean that the relationship is like good to go, like set in stone, like nothing means a relationship in general is a risk and it continues to be one. As long as you're both making the choice to choose each other, one of us could make the choice not to do that. Um, so I think that's also the hard thing. Like we look at marriage, especially I think in our culture of like this thing to strive to, mm-hmm. right? Like people always want to ask about your relationship status or a lot of times parents will play up being in a relationship or a marriage as like a real accomplishment, which I think can be very interesting. Um, and so it's, uh, it can just, I don't know, all of that can really get in your head about what you think about that, what that means for your relationship and then you also have a lot of people who are like, I'm on the apps to get married. I'm, gosh, this bachelorette right now who's like, I'm here to meet my husband. And it's like, that girl's got a goal, y'all. Like, she's trying to meet that goal. Yeah, that's something that I talk with people. Oh, like, if I have clients who are really in that place of like, I, re- I just want to get married. I ask them a lot, like, what does being married mean to you? Mm-hmm. Like, what does that, that what does that actually mean? And so many of them say, 
like it means a commitment and that that person can't just walk away. And it's like, well, I mean, they can, right? Like it might be harder for them to do, but also do you want to be in that type of relationship just because it's harder to get out of it versus a person is there willingly and wanting to work on something? Like all of that is just very, and my perspective on that could change completely if I like met a person Mm -hmm. that I wanted to tie myself to in that way. But it's just like, golly, that just doesn't feel like the goal should be. Yeah. yeah. Well, in marriage, give you is, no escape plan. Marriage is a lot of work. And I think for a, just like any long term relationship is, and I think there's something a little bit anticlimactic about it because when you are getting, when you announce that engagement and everybody wants to see your hand and everybody wants to throw you a party and they want to throw you a shower and everyone's asking about your wedding and then the wedding is here and you're the star of the show and then the wedding's over. Mm-hmm. You better have a baby because nobody gives a shit about you anymore because now you're married, which actually then they're just going to ask you when you're going to have a child because relationship escalator again, like that's the next thing you need to do. But um, I, there is something anticlimactic about it. And we've talked about this a little bit before about, yeah, you made all these choices of this is the life I'm going to lead. These are all the things I want for myself. And now I have them. Now what? And now I just go do it. Yeah. And that can feel, I think, a little bit underwhelming to people. Yep. Can't wait to get married. <laughs> <laughs> I love being married. I think it's great. I also think if I didn't want to be married anymore, I'd divorce him. <laughs> like, do you think that your relationship changed a lot when you got married? Mm-hmm. How so? Um, I think in the sense of the way other people interpreted my relationship. Especially probably at that young of age. Did it change your experience of your relationship? Um, I think that it felt different. And I know people are like, well, y'all lived together for so long. And it was basically like you were married. But there was something about it that just made it feel different. Like more official or something? Yeah, but also like... I don't know. We'd been together a long time. I kind of shook it up a little bit. Like, oh, now there's like, now you're my husband. and mm-hmm. So it was a little more exciting. Yeah. And I don't know. And it's, it's nice for us, I think, to have, yeah, an official way to be tied to one another. And I don't know. Hmm. But it's a tough job. And it's funny because people who are very um, averse to commitment, I always think is like, there are very few commitments. Like, yeah, if you married someone and you don't want to be married anymore, you can get a divorce. If you buy a house and you don't want it anymore, you can sell it. If you take a job and you don't like it, you can quit it. Like, there just really are so few things in our lives that are such, that are a commitment that you cannot escape, like, from. So, and that's not to be like, y'all just go buy homes and marry people that you don't care about. Um, But it's like, what are we really afraid of? Right. Well, and... We don't probably have enough time to talk about this, but I think for people who come from like very traditional, particularly religious backgrounds, Mm -hmm. that idea of getting divorced, maybe that can be another episode that Mm -hmm. we talk about, but like how that's not allowed or something like you shouldn't necessarily go into a marriage with a plan for getting divorced, but giving yourself the permission to know that you can exit a situation that is Mm -hmm. not healthy for you is a way to take some of the pressure off of making things perfect. And I also think that this might be just generalizing, but a lot of folks who get married with that idea of like, there's no way I will ever get divorced no matter what 
happens, like this other person Mm -hmm. doing something harmful to me or our relationship, are probably not having all of these discussions that we're talking about having before they're getting married anyway. And that just feels very unwise to me. But Well, I think that when you you are someone or you see someone who's very risk averse, because there are so many healthy risks that we get to take in our lives or that we can take. And I like to see people leaning into that a little bit more because exercising your choice and taking risk is one of the great ways that we can plug ourselves into the lives that we're leading. Mm -hmm. And if there's something about that that feels so scary to you, like, hey, it is okay. If God forbid something terrible happens or the choice is not the right one, like, we will figure it out. Mm -hmm. Mm. Well, I'm glad that I have um, you and Travis to be my life partners. Yeah. (laughs) I'm the the third person. It's not a problem. Y'all, we joke about it all the time of like, Travis, go see your other wife. It's true. It's me. Kelly, come get him. (laughs) (laughs) I love him so much. Oh, well, guess we figured out everything there is to figure out about relationships. Yeah, I guess we're done now. Yep. Thanks for listening, people. Yeah. Never see you again. Just kidding. We'll be back (laughs) next week with some other topic. Are you breaking up with the podcast? No. We'll never do that. That's right. But if it is a commitment that I don't like, I can get out of it if I want to. That's right. Very easily because there's no contract (laughs) here. You could just be like, stop coming over. I'm not turning the computer on. Oh, goodness. Well, I just did it. We invested all this money, so I'm going to stick it out a little longer. Uh, Might as well. Got to get a return on your investment. That's right. All right, y'all. See you later. Bye. (laughs) Zoe's dreaming under the table. (laughs) She's having... um, I thought that was a ghost. No, that's Zoe dreaming under the table. She was racing earlier. I wonder how bad you'll be able to hear that with our new... Equipment. technology yeah. yeah this is also our spooky episode guys because it's thunderstorming outside so it's very spooky outside yeah oh man that was funny